Hey everyone, live from New York City, I'm Jay Dombeck and this is Sports In Depth. What's up folks, JD here. Another Tuesday means another episode of Sports In Depth with JD. Let's get it going. Monday Night Football, low scoring battle. The New Orleans Saints, 13. The Seattle Seahawks, 10. And a lot of mistakes for the Seahawks and Saints capitalize. As we saw, um, Alvin Kamara with a great game running the football and receiving the football. 20 carries for 51 yards. And on the receiving side of things, 10 receptions, 128 yards and a score. I really like how he plays football. He's a triple threat. We know his ability to catch and run with the football, taking HB dives, HB counters out of the backfield. He's a hole hitter. We know he can bounce outside and break tackles. He for sure is the whole package, a top five back in this game. We all know that. And I think Jameis, he didn't throw a pick in the ball game. And if he stays turnover free, I think that's going to be a really good sign for the Saints, folks. He was 19 for 35 in the game with 222 yards and a TD, but I think he's got to improve. You know, it can't be 19 for 35 every night. He's got to be a little more accurate. Decision-making has got to improve, and I think the Saints will be just fine. We know they had a head-scratching loss against the New York Giants this year. Besides that, we know what they did to the Green Bay Packers week one. They blew them out straight up. They did lose to the Carolina Panthers, which was their other loss besides the New York Giants. But I feel like they win games. You know, close games usually favor them. Sean Payton's group over the years have been able to win close battles on the road and at home. And that's really something to be said. Now, moving over to Seattle, things are just not going their way this year. They are 2-5, and five, but we know Russell Wilson is still sidelined due to that finger injury. Russell Wilson is an outstanding talent in this league. No knock at Geno Smith, but kid doesn't really have it. Yes, you see a good drive or two out of him in a ball game, but tonight, for example, they only had him throw the football 22 times. And he was 12 for 22 with 167 yards and a score. Seattle, it's going to be tough without Russ. Yes, we know the wide receiver threats like Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. But if Geno can't get them the football, he connected with DK early in the game. But besides that, no TD scores for Seattle. And uh, that led them to ultimately losing at home. I thought it was game planned pretty well by Sean Payton and Coach Pete Carroll because they knew it was going to be a low-scoring affair decided by a field goal, and it sure was. I thought on both sides of the ball, defense stepping up, and yeah, you know, a solid wrap to that game on Monday night. Yes, we like to see TD passes, TD drives, high-scoring ball games for us fans, but uh, Saints are happy to get out of here with a W because we know they got a tough game next week. Tom Brady and the Bucks are coming to town, so uh, we'll see how that goes. Transitioning back to the Sunday night football game, uh, the Colts went on the road against a struggling 49er group. And Carson Wentz, he's a very interesting story in the NFL, guys, and I must say that. It has been one filled with injuries, 
filled with him turning the football over on the football field. And we know it didn't work out in Philadelphia. They moved on. But here in Indianapolis, they're three and four. And I thought Wentz played very well on the road. You know, they played in San Francisco. It was a rainy day in the Bay, and he didn't turn it over 17 for 26 in a ball game, 150 yards passing with two TDs. And with the Colts, them getting Quentin Nelson back, we know how big that is. And Jonathan Taylor running the ball hard, tough, hitting his holes, 18 carries for 107 yards in a ball game and a score. That is exactly what the Colts need out of him. They need a solid run game, and they need Wentz to stay turnover free. Also a breakout receiver in our league, Michael Pittman Jr. I think he's playing very well. Carson Wentz has nothing but good things to say about Michael Pittman Jr. And he had four receptions, 105 yards, and a score. And we know Michael is a deep threat. It is very important for the Colts to score a lot in these games, and they put up 30 on Sunday night, especially on a road when you have a deep threat like Pittman and uh, Wentz throwing the ball pretty accurately. Uh, good things are going to happen for this football team. And I also love that the Colts didn't panic after being behind on the road. They were down a few times in this ball game and battled back, battled, battled, and uh, it resulted in a W. A lot of good things here for the Indianapolis Colts to build on. And I also love the gutsy play calling down the stretch by um, Indianapolis's coach, Frank Reich. A lot to be said about how he's developing as a coach. I think he's a really good head coach. We know Indianapolis is used to making the playoffs. You know, them having Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, you know, even Phillip Rivers for a year. They know the postseason well. Now, can they make that next step, get into the postseason, and win a playoff game? Let's talk about Tom Brady. And with him, we talk about winning. The Bucks 38, the Bears 3. Tom Brady, another record, 600th. Career TD pass. It's a wonderful stat to have. You know, a 22-year career. He just blows every quarterback out of the water, as we all know. He joked that he didn't throw the ball particularly well in this ball game. He was 20 for 36, 211 yards, and four TDs. But he wants to be a little more accurate. We know Tom Brady expects perfection. Uh, he's a perfectionist. He's the GOAT. When you do it better than anyone else, you know that you don't expect anything but perfection. And I feel he's tough on himself, but I feel that's how he got there. You know, his story isn't he was always the top dog. He plays with a chip on his shoulder. He plays like he was drafted late. He plays like he still has more to prove when there's nothing left to prove. I love him as a person, as a player, and I feel he's making those around him better, and that's what the great ones do. And Lenny and Ronnie out of the backfield are running hard. It's like having two bowling balls back there with Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones because they hit holes. They're able to bounce outside. They take a hit like it's nothing. Man, I have a lot to say about those Buccaneer backs and... It's going to be a great season for them. You know, 6-1 and one and rolling. A lot to be said here. And I wanted to talk about Tom Brady and using the weapons he has. We know him to A.B. is a big-time threat. We know that Tom Brady to Robert Gronkowski is a big-time threat. But he didn't have either of those players on Sunday. But Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, we know guys are going to step up. And that's huge. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, we know Johnson, Howard. These guys are getting involved. And Tom Brady, 
hitting those open targets. And yes, he said he wanted to be a little more accurate, as I was mentioning a few moments ago, but he made the plays when it mattered most. A lot to be said about this defense as well. Yes, Justin Fields transitioning over to the Chicago side. Justin Fields did look a little lost, guys. You know, throwing three picks, he's got to be better than that. I think he's panicking out here on the football field. I really do. I know he's a rookie and these things are going to happen, but he's got to relax. He's got to stop the happy feet in the pocket, two-step drop and get rid of the football. Even roll and throw, left or right. You were good at it in college. Use your skill set to the best of your ability and try to improve week to week as a quarterback in the National Football League. If he does that, he can make steps in the right direction. If he has lack of pocket awareness, if he keeps throwing interceptions, I don't know how bright of a future this kid is going to have. I'm not giving up on Justin Fields, but I think Matt Nagy, the head coach of the Chicago Bears, of course, has to have a one-on-one meeting with Justin Fields go over the X's and O's, tell him what he needs to work on, which I think is a few things, uh, checking one, two, three of his reads before taking off and running. I also think great quarterbacks need to have that feel in the pocket, and Justin doesn't have that yet. And of the young quarterbacks transitioning over to Mac Jones. Uh, the New England Patriots, of course, won 54-13, to but I think it's Mac Jones' ability to hang in that pocket and have confidence throwing the football down the field. You know, he was 24 for 36 passing with 307 yards and two TDs. That is the Mac we all know. Out of Alabama, we know the question mark with Alabama QBs in the National Football League, but I think Mac Jones is going to prove the doubters wrong and be the next quarterback here in New England. And we know it's tough to follow up Tom Brady, but Max has got to play his way, know that it's his team, and a bright future ahead. Bill Belichick is very high on this kid. We know that. The New England Patriots are now 3-4, and four, and I feel there is a chance come end of the season that they do sneak into the postseason. I wanted to talk about Damian Harris and what he brings to the New England Patriots in the Boston area. 14 carries, 106 yards, 2 TDs in a ball game against the New York Jets. We know playing the Jets is easy money for Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots over X amount of years forever. But... For them getting back on track, showing what they're truly made of. On Sunday Night Football, Football Night in America, Drew Brees always talks about identity of football teams, and I think the New England Patriots are slowly finding their identity, knowing that they're going to rely on Mac Jones in that pocket to throw it downfield. They know they have confidence in the run game where Josh McDaniels can mix up the playbook and give it to Damian Harris, you know, running through that A-gap down the field, being such a great hole hitter that he is. Identity is huge in football. You got to know who you are, what you're chasing, what your short term and long term goals are. And New England is starting to catch fire. You know, having Tom Brady for 20 years, it's going to take a minute. But Josh McDaniels and Mac Jones are working hand in hand to make this a powerful offense once again. And I think they are on the track to doing something great. A lot to be said about New England. This is a smooth transition. And yes, they had a bump in the road with Cam Newton. But uh, Patriots are back on track. And I think Mac Jones is their franchise guy. 
advancing over to the Cincinnati Bengals. I wanted to pat myself on the back real quick. I said to my Uncle Paul in early August that the Cincinnati Bengals are going to make the postseason. I really believed in Joe Burrow and what he can do on the football field. As we saw Sunday, 23 for 38 with 416 yards in the ball game, Three TDs. He's big time, but I wanted to talk about Jamar Chase, and I want to give credit when credit is due. My Uncle Paul was huge on Jamar Chase, told me that he's going to be a big time threat in the National Football League, and he's off to a heck of a start. So shout out, Paulie. Jamar Chase, eight receptions, 201 yards, and a TD on Sunday. And I really like how Burrow and Chase have that connection from college. We know they're on the same page. We know that both are great football players with a high football IQ and mixing in the run game. Mixon's playing well, too. He scored in the ball game. And the Cincinnati Bengals, they pummeled a very good football team. They didn't just blow out, you know, the Jets or the Giants. No knock at my fellow New Yorkers or the Miami Dolphins. They killed the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson, Action Jackson, Hollywood Brown, Mark Andrews. That's not a team a lot of teams in this football league can pummel. But the Bengals did it, and they did it on the road. I was really, really impressed on Sunday. The Bengals moved to 5-2 and two on the year. The Baltimore Ravens dropped to 5-2. and two. I do think you're looking at two playoff teams. But since he did look like the better team, and I, that caught me a little by surprise. Yes, I talked about being high on the Bengals in preseason, and I sure was. But I don't know if I was higher on the Bengals than the Baltimore Ravens, knowing what Lamar Jackson can do on the football field. So that was a really, really good win and a game to focus on. I wanted to touch upon one more game from Sunday. There were a lot of good games, but we know I like to touch upon a few of them. The Kansas City Chiefs lose again, and is it time to panic for Andy Reid? Yes, it is. I say that because his defense doesn't look good at all. And that's something to be said. I mean, they're 3-4. and four. The Chiefs already have four losses, and they fail to score a touchdown on Sunday. Patrick Mahomes throwing interceptions, looking only okay, looking human-like instead of the robot that can do anything on the football field. Tannehill outplayed Mahomes. The run game was non-existent. We know Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is out for the Chiefs, but for their run game to be non-existent and Mahomes to lead the team in rushing yards with 35 yards, that's a problem. It really is, guys, and it's time to panic for Kansas City. Mahomes did leave the game, but that was pretty much after it was already decided. And Mahomes, he'll be good for next week. He passed concussion protocols and everything's good to go there. But I wanted to talk a little bit about Tennessee and how they're rolling. Sometimes, you know, Tennessee has hiccups in the road. Yes, they lost to the New York Jets. Yes, they lost to the Arizona Cardinals. But Arizona being a great team, the Jets being a bad team. But then they beat the Buffalo Bills and the Chiefs in back-to-back weeks. And that's very impressive to me. We all know I'm a King Henry guy. He can play this game at a high, high clip. And Ryan Tannehill playing mistake-free football is going to be big. And how about A.J. Brown, their star wide receiver that's been on the injured list for some of this season. And he's back and he's healthy and 133 yards in a ball game and a score. And that's the football segment this week. I'm very, very happy 
to be talking another week of football with you guys because it's been a great NFL season thus far. A lot more of the season to go, and we know I love that. Wrapping up week seven, I'm looking forward, looking ahead a little bit to the Thursday night matchup. Packers, Cardinals, two of the best teams in the NFC, in my opinion, as well as the Tampa Bay Bucks. But looking just at this game, Aaron Rodgers against Kyler Murray, two premier quarterbacks in our league. But big news early this week, Devontae Adams is on the COVID reserve list. That's a big deal, guys. Aaron Rodgers might not have his star wide receiver in what may be the biggest game of the Packers season. So we know COVID's been an issue. We know injury has been an issue this season all throughout the NFL, but it might affect the game on Thursday. It's going to be a good game still. You know Aaron Rodgers. He keeps the Packers in games no matter what. No ifs, ands, or buts. But I'm really excited for that football game, and I hope y'all are too. That's it for the NFL. Touching upon the MLB real quick. We know we release on Tuesday. We know the MLB playoffs are rolling on Tuesday. Game one of the World Series. The Atlanta Braves and the Houston Astros face off in Houston. It's going to be an awesome game on Fox, and I just cannot wait. I mean, both of these teams can straight up hit. We know what Eddie Rosario's been doing for the Atlanta Braves. We know Freddie Freeman can ball. Austin Riley, the pitching rotation, and the closer, Will Smith, they've all been great to beat the Dodgers and get here. But how about the Houston Astros, a high-powered group? We know that Alvarez is playing at a high clip. We know Altuve and Correa, what they can do and what they bring. Kyle Tucker hitting straight up bombs anywhere in the ballpark. It's a team that gels. It's a team that clicks in October. It's a team that's been here before. If the Atlanta Braves want to beat the Houston Astros in this series, they must bring it on offense, defense, and the pitching rotation must be at an all-time high. When I talk defense in baseball, I talk there better not be errors for Atlanta in the infield or the outfield. Pitchers got to stay in front of counts. They can't fall 2-1, 2-0 in 3-1 counts. It favors Astros hitting, and they are too good. Uh, Atlanta also needs to steal either Game 1 or Game 2 in Houston, in my opinion. It's too tough of a series to be in too big of a hole. So I'm so excited for the World Series. You guys know I'm a big baseball guy along with other sports, but this is baseball at the biggest stage. This is when it matters most, folks, and who's going to bring it when the lights shine the brightest. I cannot wait. I got the pleasure. My father is down here in Florida to watch game one with on Tuesday night. It's going to be a heck of a matchup. I am pumped. We know work is off and running uh, with the NBA, me with the Orlando Magic. And also, I met my childhood hero this week, Kenny Albert a mentor of mine, someone I look up to in the announcer play-by-play world, and I cannot wait to have him on in a few weeks. Wrapping up here tonight in the studio, my fans are the greatest, shouting you all out. Thanks for listening. Tuesday is my favorite day of the week because I get to share what I love with you guys, and let's get to it. Big week of sports. And to wrap it up here today, shouting out the great Jake Dombeck who passed away three years ago today. He is with us every step of the way. Thank you, Jake, and thanks for giving us your all. 
We miss you, and God bless you. Take care, folks. J.D. out.